Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you today? It's great to have you here. Let's stand together. I see some of you jumping up already. It's great to be excited for what God will do and who he is in our lives, right? Just about God himself. He is so good. We always take this time before starting uh, in song and worship song and praise to him and study to bow our heads in our hearts. So let's do that together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity again to gather. We do not take this time lightly, Lord, that we can freely gather in this country, Lord. We see and we hear so much going around the world of those who are your servants being persecuted, even to the point of death, Lord God. And Father, we just ask that you'd stir our hearts and let us see again and again as we sing these songs, we hear your word, Lord, in fellowship, how great you are, Lord, and how precious the gift you've given us of new life in Jesus really is, Lord. God, we just thank you for the precious gift of your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, called alongside to help. And Father, we just ask for guidance this morning and a leading in your study of your Holy Word, Lord. We want to sing these songs of praise to you from your Holy Word, Lord, and set our hearts upon you, fix our eyes upon you, Jesus. God, we just ask that you would push away in our hearts and our minds things that are crowding in and trying to distract us from what you would have us do and from this time, this very moment here, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you'd help us stay centered, aligned with you, Lord, and walking in accordance with your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus said that the law was summed up in these two things. What are they? Wow, that was pretty quiet. <laughs> Am I talking too fast or can you not hear me? I do both sometimes. Hey, can you guys hear me in the back? Thumbs up. All right. <laughs> so Jesus said, the Lord summed up in these two things. What are they? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself, right? What a great word from the Lord God Almighty. And what a great song to sing. We're going to sing that right now. With all my strength. 
Love is everlasting, and it's better than life. Oh, 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 oh,
lift up our hands, we lift up our voices to testify. You are good, you are better than life, and life can be so uncertain at times. Cause your loving never fails, that's why we sing, it's why we sing. and go into a time of collection and offering, offering of our time and continuing in worship. Brenda! Lenny, can you guys hear me? Yes, you can hear me. Good morning, church. Good morning. How are we doing today? 
lots of new faces. This is awesome. I, I love to see the church grow and uh, people come and, uh, you know, guests to hear the word. Amen. So we're going to, we have a lot of announcements, actually. They're not that quick, Lenny. Oh, okay. Lots of announcements. And it's, it's good, right? Because we come together as a church and, and we learn. Um, we learn about Jesus. Um, sound room, if we can get the announcements up on the screen, please. All right. Oops. Well, as they work on that, <laughs> do you, it's okay. Do we have any guests? We would like to welcome you. Please raise your hand if you're here for the first time. We'd first just time like visitors. to welcome raise you. Guests over here. Anybody else? Great guests to have over you here. there. We have a guest a here on both there. sides. So raise your hand again. Um, the oh. usher is going to give you, Thank you uh, some information about our church. Guest over here, ushers. Anybody else? Please raise your hand. Sir, right, with yeah. the hat. <laughs> okay, well, we'll give you some information about our church. If you can fill that out, and uh, once the service is all done, you can um, give it to the guys in the sound room, and they'll give you a, a Jesus DVD. And um, something cool, um, we actually have a barcode that if you don't have a DVD player, I know some people don't have DVD players anymore, um, but you can scan it on your phone, and then you can download an app and get the Jesus movie. So that's really cool. Um, One so more time welcome. with the visitors' hands over here. Though. Anybody else? Raise your hand. So we ha I see two. Miguel, Did I miss him? anybody? Oh, we're good. Okay. Okay, we're good. Oh, no, over there, too. Where? I don't know. I'm seeing fingers and hands, and I don't know. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it's hard to see from up here. It's like a sea of people, so I, we apologize. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I see the sea. All right. So um, as they work on that, just hear the announcements. We have Bible study this week. Uh, we have two. Tomorrow is Men of Abundance at 7 p.m. And Tuesday is Women's Bible Study at 9.45 a.m. Uh, second thing is Women's Gathering is this Friday at church starting at 6 p.m. for dinner and 7 p.m. for the meeting. Uh, please remember to sign up today in the Welcome Center if you will be joining us for dinner. Uh, we need to plan how much food to purchase. And uh, donations no more than $10 are welcome. Uh, the third thing is the women's ministry is having a bake offering next Sunday after church. Please donate some yummy baked goods and stop by the table after service to support the women's ministry next week. Uh, number four, Extraordinary Moms is meeting next Sunday after service in the parent-child room. Uh, next thing is the youth group is having their Super Bowl party. Youth, there are some youth in here. I'm sure you're excited about that. Mm -hmm. Super Bowl party, they're going to get together next Sunday at 6.15 here in the church. Only for the youth, okay, parents, only for the youth. Um, invite your friends, youth. Uh, there will be uh, good food and prize giveaways. Uh, next is movie night is, is Friday, February 17th at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary. We're showing the movie A Pilgrim's Progress. Mm. There are no Spanish subtitles. Okay. Uh, sign up today for the church potluck dinner on Saturday, February 25th at 6 p.m. Bring a dish that represents your culture or your family's favorite dish. And uh, lastly, an email went out on Thursday this week regarding summer camp 2023. Please fill out the poll in the email no later than next Sunday, uh, Sunday, February 12th. If you're interested in having your child attend camp this summer and or if you would like to serve at the camp or donate to the camp. Summer camp will be tentatively run from July 10th through August 4th. 
uh, more information to come soon. If you didn't receive the email, please see Rachel. And by the way, guys, um, all of these announcements are on the website, Living Word Alive. Um, or you can just Google, I, I think that's the website, right? Living Word Alive. If you missed any of the announcements and you do want to participate, you want to serve or attend any of these events, um, just go online and, and check them out, okay? Um, that's how we grow in the Lord, right? It's not just on Sunday. It's during the week, and um, uh, I, I forgot the word that Pastor Frank used, cornakia, cornania, okay. Cornania, there you go. So we come together as a church, and, and we get to know each other, right? And we learn about Jesus. So um, uh, it's just wonderful that we have so many events available to us. Amen. Okay, so um, that's it. God bless you guys. Thank you, Brenda. I want to make one correction as the ushers come forward for our collection. Um, we switch things up a little bit with Men of Abundance, so it's not tomorrow. What we're doing, we had it uh, last Monday. It's going to be every other Monday. It got a little bit confusing with the five, you know, every quarter there's a fifth Monday and all of that stuff. So <laughs> what we decided to do is go every other week, keep it simple. Um, so we had Men of Abundance last week. We will be having it not tomorrow, but next Monday. And we meet right here, we sit here, we pull some tables out, and we just open the Word of God. I shouldn't say just. We open the Word of God, and we spend time studying the Word together. So, Thank you, you're all welcome. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Right. <laughs> See, we have men of abundance, and we have women of grace, and we were on alternating weeks, so I just screwed it up just now. <laughs> But you're going to start going this Sunday morning at some, some point, aren't you? Possibly. Oh, there's a... Oh, okay. We don't know yet. We used to do that on Sunday mornings. Anyway, we get together and that's a good thing, right? So <laughs> let's bow our heads and, and ask the Lord to bless this offering. Father, we are grateful that you've given us an opportunity to give to you. Lord, you've given us uh, the very breath in our lungs. Lord, you hold us together. You sustain us, Lord. You are the creator. And we do choose, Lord, to offer what we have here today. Back to you, Lord. It's a small thing we know, Lord, but your provision is amazing. We want to give back to you, just acknowledging how great you are and how grateful we are for your provision, Lord. And God, we ask that you multiply what we give, that it would go forth from this place, within this place, and beyond these walls, Lord, to touch many hearts, that many may hear the gospel of Jesus, to truly be born again of your Holy Spirit, become disciples, Lord, of your Son, Jesus. And God, we just ask that you would... Touch our hearts as we give, Lord God, and allow us to give joyfully. We know that it's not ours, and we're just stewards of what you've given us, whether it's time, family, friends, or uh, your provision here. And we just give it back to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
your holy name. Jesus, you are our cornerstone. The rock on which we stand. I hope you're standing on Jesus. Don't stand on the sinking sand. It'll wash away. But when we stand upon the rock of Jesus, we have faith and confidence in him. We put our trust in him. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, we put our trust in you. Right now, Lord God, we stand upon you. Upon your finished work, upon the cross, Lord God. It is finished. You have completed it. And we have received your precious gift of this salvation, this cleansing of the darkness and the dirt and the, the blood-stained clothes that we've been wearing, Lord. And you've made it whiter than snow. We stand upon you. Yes, love. 
team thank you for great worship how's my buddy Isaac doing he's good right is he smiling and laughing because his name means laughter and boy does that name fit that kid's character every time I look at him he smiles he laughs and he makes me laugh pray for Carol Gaugan uh, pray for Pat Cornelius pray for Harriet Davis three are dear sisters we're going to pray for them right now Ask the Lord's healing hand to be upon them. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up our three sisters, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, with the healing power there, Lord God. And we want to pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal them and make them well. And Lord God, I pray this morning that you would prepare our hearts for the word. Father, very important message, critical message this morning. A message, Lord God, that, Lord, could prevail in just every person's life that's in this room at keeping them, Lord God, from wandering from you, Lord, falling away of, Lord God, just being deceived by the enemy. I want to pray, Lord God, a blessing upon all here. We sit at your feet, Jesus. We want to learn, Lord God, from your voice. I pray, Lord God, that I would disappear today behind the cross and that people would only focus and see you. And for your glory and honor, Lord God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. So I, I, the message I'm going to share with you today is called Warning Signs. And it's from Mark chapter 14, 20, uh, 66 through 72. And um, I'll tell you, you can turn there in your Bible to Mark. Uh, 
I got it right. Okay. And I, I'll say this to you. This is, I believe, probably one of the most important messages um, that I have ever preached. And I'll say this, that it's, it's a message I've preached before as I've preached about and taught about Peter. But I'll say this, I think this is one of the most important messages that you can hear. And um, so in, in Mark chapter 14, 66 through 72, it says, Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. And then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And a second time the rooster crowed. And then Peter called to mind the word, that Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. So, what you have here, again, is, is Peter just crashing. And, you know, we, we, we don't just crash by accident. Okay, it's, it's not something that just, just happens. So you see, you see, in our day and age, you see Christian leaders. Right, right. Some of you who are, who are readers and Christian leaders that we, we so admired, right? And suddenly we find out things about them, I mean, abominable things of, of immorality. I mean, homosexuality, adultery, um, stealing, immoral, uh, you know, horribly unethical things, horribly unethical things, things we... I mean, we can't even imagine. And they're Christian leaders, pastors, teachers, evangelists, uh, apologists. And we, we're, we're shocked when these things happen, but I'll just, again, we don't live in a vacuum. They don't just happen, right, by accident. There are warning signs. And it's like, it's like our bodies. You know, somebody just doesn't suddenly have a heart attack and drop dead. Somebody just doesn't suddenly have a stroke and, do- and drop dead. There, there are always warning signs that the, the body is giving. Maybe the, the blood pressure is high, or there's um, abnormal you know, relationship between their, their cholesterol levels, their LDLs, right? They, it, just the triglyceride levels. And suddenly, and suddenly again, this warning signs go ignored. Men, men, by the way, are notorious for this. And then suddenly again, there's a stroke, or there's a, a heart attack, there's a, a disease that, that suddenly kills them. In marriages, you know, suddenly a, a marriage just falls apart, and we're shocked, but again, there, there were warning signs leading up to it. Or a, a, a child... Right, suddenly just, just wanders, right? They wander off into, into drugs or they wander off into a street gang. And again, there, there were warning signs that were leading up to this. Most of the time they go ignored. 
The same thing goes in our spiritual life. When you see somebody fall away, you see somebody crash, you see somebody do something that is absolutely horrible, you know, in the church, again, there were warning signs that were leading up to it that went ignored. Peter, and as we just read, when he denied the Lord three times, there were warning signs that were leading, right? Really, from the early days of Peter beginning to follow Jesus, these warning signs where Jesus was speaking these warning signs directly into Peter's life, and Peter was ignoring them. So when, again, we watch Peter in this fall, there were, there were a number of steps, and I'm going to share with you six steps down that Peter ignored until, kaboom, the crash. And again, we look at it and we say, you know, what happened? How could this person who was walking so closely with Jesus, who loved Jesus with such a passion, right? They were, they were in the fellowship. They're serving God. They're, they're, they're just loving Jesus. And suddenly the person, right, commits adultery. The person just doesn't want anything to do with the Lord. The person doesn't want anything to do with the fellowship. The person is just, just, they're spiritually burned out. The person falls away. And again, there were warning signs. So the first warning sign in the life of Peter is poor theology. Now, do you know what the word theology means? Theos is the word that's God. And the word Logos, or ology, okay, is the word knowledge. And theology, okay, is knowledge of God. And Peter had some bad theology. He had some bad knowledge of God. So look, at, look we're going to go back about a year and a half before, okay, Peter denied the Lord three times to Matthew chapter 16, 21 through 23, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. And then Peter took him aside. By the way, you don't take the Messiah aside. <laughs> he takes you aside. So he took him aside and began to rebuke him. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Okay, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, let me, let me just tell you where this, where this happens. Jesus takes the apostles up to Caesarea Philippi. It is there that he asks them, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, right? Some say that you are Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say that you're Jeremiah. And then he looks at them and he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, this great confession, he says, you are the Messiah. The promised Messiah, the Mishak of Israel. You are the promised Messiah. The one we have been waiting for. The son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, that was revealed to you, Peter, by the Spirit. He said, you're, you're, you're right on. Now, Peter makes that confession. So what? That's a great confession. That's, that's a, a true confession. Peter's got, he's got some good theology here. Some. But then, when Jesus says that he is going to go up to Jerusalem and be betrayed 
and be beaten and be crucified, and then on the third day he will rise from the dead, Peter doesn't agree with that. So Peter, Peter has mishmash theology. And let me say this to you. Some of you sitting here today may have mishmash theology. You don't know the scriptures. Or maybe you just know what you want to know. Or maybe you just know what somebody is telling you and you haven't looked to see it if it's true in the word of God. So I see people floating in and out of this church for years and they have mishmash theology. They've only got it half right. See, Peter had it half right. But he also, the problem when you only have it half right, you have it half wrong. In Acts chapter 20, Paul, when he was in Ephesus and he had taught the Ephesians for about a year and a half, he said this to them, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare the whole counsel of God. What is, what is the whole counsel of God? Well, in the time, there was no New Testament, so what it is is the Tanakh, the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. Paul did not cease to continually teach from the Tanakh. He taught them the Word of God. He taught from every book, showing them that Jesus is the Messiah, showing them what God was calling them okay, to do and how to live. Now, we have not only the Tanakh, we also have the New Testament, and uh, that is what it is to be teaching the whole counsel of God, to be teaching the entire Word of God, not just little bits and pieces. In Tanakh, it talks about the Messiah being a conquering king that will establish his kingdom, that will defeat his enemies, and those who are his followers will reign with him, the millennial kingdom. But it also taught that the Messiah would come as a lamb of God and he would die. Peter liked the conquering Messiah, right? He's going to rule with the conquering Messiah in the kingdom. They part about the Messiah coming and suffering and dying. Uh, he didn't like that so much. See, Jesus, right, he would first come as the lamb. The sacrificial lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And then secondly, he would come as the lion of Judah and he would conquer and defeat his enemies and establish his kingdom. Peter only had it half right. He had the conquering part, the king part. He didn't have the lamb part. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5 through 7, you get a great picture of the conquering Messiah. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. He's going to crush his enemies. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The conquering king. Most of the people in Jesus' day... And most Jews today, right, they are waiting for the conquering king. They're waiting for the king who's going to come. And again, establish the kingdom in Israel. Defeat all of God's enemies. Crush them. 
they're waiting for the conquering Messiah. The conquering Messiah, you can read Moses talks about the conquering Messiah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, David in the Psalms, Amos, Malachi. But in the Tanakh, again, there is also a very clear revelation about the Messiah being the Lamb of God who would come and take away the sins of the world. Isaiah 53 Verses 5 through 6. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The sacrificial lamb. Peter wanted the lion. He did not want the sacrificial lamb. Peter wanted the warrior king who would shed those damn Romans' blood. But instead, he got a savior who shed his own blood. He wanted a king who would conquer the enemy. But he got a king who would conquer men's hearts through his love and compassion. In Isaiah, you have the Lamb of God, the suffering Messiah, the sacrificial Lamb. You also have in Isaiah, right, the warrior king. Peter had it half right. But the problem is when you have it half right, you also have it... I think that's... I just had deja vu again. And by the way, that's a very, that's a very dangerous place to be. Because what would happen when he doesn't do what you want him to do, and he's not what you expected him to be, your faith gets dashed. It gets blown apart. That's the problem with taking things out of Scripture and putting things into Scripture. And that is a warning that you get. You get that warning, Deuteronomy 4.2, Deuteronomy 12.2, um, 12.32, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6, Galatians chapter 1, 6 and 9, and Revelation 22.18 through 19. This strong warning about adding or subtracting from Scripture. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in the book. See, Peter was greatly influenced by the rabbis of Jesus' day. And, and the, the rabbis were there saying, you know, we're waiting for a Messiah, the conquering king, the one who's going to defeat the Romans, the one who's going to establish the kingdom of Israel. He was influenced by what people were saying. Do you know people, they'll come to me and say, well, this preacher, this preacher said that, you know, you need to listen to this preacher. You know, I'm, I'll tell you, I'm so caught up with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm so caught up with, with, with Moses and David and Isaiah and Jeremiah been listening to all these people out there, right? See, the, the, the Word of God needs to be the filter. Not, not long to, to listen to people, but are you filtering it through the Word of God? Peter, Peter was not. He, he was hearing, again, from the, from the culture that was, again, ignored the suffering Messiah and grasped on to the conquering Messiah. I ask people all the time, where's that in the Bible? Well, this is a pastor, you know, pastor, you know, I heard this, I heard this. Where is it in the Bible? Show me, show me in the Bible where it is. 
I believe in the Word of God. The Word of God, the Word of God is my filter. And there's a lot of bad theology out there. There's a lot of bad theology being preached from pulpits. You can hear, you can hear them on, you know, on, on the radio. You can find them on the internet. I mean, the crazy, kooky stuff. And people who are, not, who are not filtering through the Word of God, they just buy into this stuff. And they get deceived. It's a very dangerous place to be. To have expectations that are not based upon the truth. Because when those expectations don't come to be, you get devastated. There was a church in China. It was an evangelical church. Solid Bible-believing church. And they hired a new pastor who came in and he brought the health and prosperity gospel into it. Right? We're all meant to be healthy. We're all meant to be rich, rich, prosperous. And then uh, the communists came. They arrested the pastor. They arrested the elders. They beat some of the parishioners. And they bulldozed the church and some of the people's homes. When the pastor got out of prison, he was expecting his church to gather and nobody came. Why didn't they come when he asked is because... They didn't believe in Jesus anymore. They didn't believe in the gospel anymore because they had built their hope on sinking sand and not upon the true word of God. I've seen people come here from those churches kneeling at the altar when they're sick in despair because God is punishing them because of some secret sin in their life. Or God, God is just tormenting them because they don't have faith. What a sick diseased false gospel. Peter built his hope on a false theology. Number two, foolish pride. In Mark chapter 14, 27 through 31, then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the, sheep, the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you that today, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And then all the others said likewise. So here, here's Peter Filled, let me tell you, this is, I, I'll use the term foolish pride. He's just puffed up and filled with himself. I mean, he's, he's, you talk about overconfidence. He thinks he's superior to all the others. He, he's better than them. This, this is an ego that is absolutely out of control. It's egotistical arrogance. And he totally ignores Jesus' warning. Just as he did when Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling him Satan. He was saying, no, you're operating under the influence of Satan. And Peter ignored it. Now he, he is telling him that you're going to deny me, and Peter, again, is totally ignoring it. Pride. Listen what Proverbs 16, 18 says. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Foolish pride. I'll tell you something that I believe characterizes the church in America at this moment. It is foolish pride. It is overconfidence. It is egotistical arrogance. Read the books. Listen to the sermons. Right? It's, it's always about, about 
me, right? It's always about us. Look, look at, in Revelation chapter 3, 17 through 18, the last church at the end of the age. I believe we are at the end of the age. I think that we are in the last church. And the last church at the end of the age is the church of Laodicea. Jesus says, right, you're neither hot nor cold. It's the spitball church. I want to spit you out of my mouth. You're lukewarm. And he says this, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They're, they're totally blind to their blindness, to their nakedness, to their poverty, spiritual poverty. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with the eye salve that you may see. This, this, is, this is just hyper foolish pride and arrogance. You, you, can, you can see it in the books that are written. You can hear it in the sermons that are preached. You can hear it in the music that's being played on the Christian stations. It's all me-centered. It's not about God. It's about, it's about my, my power. Let me, tell you, let me tell you about how powerful Pastor Frank is. It's about my power. It's about, about my authority. Right? It's not about God's power. It's not about his authority because you know what? We're just a vapor. I'm reading this morning in Psalm 103. Right? We're like the grass that grows and is gone. It is his power. It is his authority. It is his spirit. It is his greatness that flows through us. But the church dance around. Remember the story when you were a kid? The king's new suit of clothes. Remember his new suit of clothes? There were no clothes. He was naked. Remember he, he's marching down the street and everybody's clapping for his beautiful suit of clothes. I mean just the blindness of people. And a little kid goes, the, the king, the king is naked. The story reminds me of the church today. Revelation 3.17, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you don't know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Foolish pride. Peter's heading for a crash. Poor theology, foolish pride, third step down, neglect of prayer. In verse 37 and 38, then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know how you keep yourself from falling into temptation? You know what it is to fall into temptation? When you fall into temptation, you're sinning. You know how you keep yourself from falling into temptation? What do they say? Pray. True prayer. True prayer. True prayer is communing with the Lord. It's, it's connecting with the Lord. It's God hearing you and you hearing from God. True prayer. Because in the scriptures you see there is a fake prayer. The Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee, what was he doing? Jesus, he said he was praying to himself. 
There's a huge difference between just speaking words, thinking that God hears you, and really praying where you are connecting with God, where you're praying in the Spirit, where you're praying by faith, where you're praying in humility, and God is hearing you and you're hearing from God. Prayer like that brings power. It, 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 it equips us, it empowers us. Acts chapter 4.31, church is being persecuted. Peter and John are arrested. They get roughed up. They come back to the church and they pray. And it tells us in verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. True prayer energizes the body. It energizes the soul and it energizes the spirit. It empowers the soul. It strengthens the limbs. It sharpens the mind. It equips us for spiritual warfare. It enlarges our faith, enriches our life. It encourages our heart. It enhances our minds. It enlarges our influence. And it enjoys the very presence of God. True prayer. See that? What does that say? According to Pew Research, that's the average amount of time that an average American Christian prays. What does that say? That's the average amount of time that an average pastor in America prays daily. Laodicea. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says, Ask, seek, and knock. Right? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And then he says, If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So when I first read that, I said, But I thought we have the Holy Spirit when we're born again. But I believe in, in, in the, the regeneration and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at new birth. I also believe that the Holy Spirit baptizes, empowers us, comes upon us. That's something that we should all be seeking. But he, sa- he says here, he says, the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit. By the way, in, in the original Greek language, there's no definite article, the. So they put that there for grammatical reasons. But it should read, your Heavenly Father will give Holy Spirit to those who ask him. He will, he will give the hagios pneuma, okay? Again, we have the Spirit. What, what is Jesus saying here? That we need to be relying and depending on the Spirit, right? We, we need to ask, right? I don't know what you need today, but the Spirit's here to give it to you. I don't, I don't know what you need. Maybe you need wisdom or you need knowledge. Maybe you need power. Maybe you need might. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit to equip you with, with forgiveness, or with a greater fear of the Lord. When we, when we are communing with God and we ask, Lord, essentially, give me wisdom. Give me power. Equip me. It's always through the Spirit, right? It comes, it comes right from the throne of the Spirit. And, and, he, and He will empower us. That's what I believe Jesus is teaching there. My experience in prayer is in the morning when I come to the Lord. I could come and enter into my prayer closet like Steve Urkel. Feeling like Steve Urkel and maybe even looking like Steve Urkel. For some of you who don't know Steve Urkel, he's like, he plays, you know, the wimp. 
And all I can tell you is when I go into that prayer closet, and this has never, this has never failed to happen, I can go in there in weakness and I come out feeling like Mike Tyson. I can go in, I can go in in weakness, I will always come out in strength. It, it is there that God empowers me. It, it is there that God energizes me. Peter needed that power. Peter needed that power that comes through prayer. Because his prayerlessness was leading to powerlessness. And you know what's about to happen. Bad theology, pride, foolish pride, and prayerlessness. Next one. An attempt to manipulate circumstances. So now things start to fall apart. Right? The, the foundation that Peter is, things, things are falling apart. His foundation is cracking. So look at what it tells us in John chapter 18, 10 through 11, and Mark chapter 14, 46 through 47. It says, Then they laid their hands on him, meaning Jesus, and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the priest and cut off his ear. In John, it tells us, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, it identifies that it was Simon Peter. He drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? So things are, 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 are crumbling. His, his belief foundation, right, is, is only 50% true and 50% false. He he's, wants the, the, the king to establish his kingdom. Well, the king is going to a cross, right? He's going to suffer. He's going to die. No crown of gold, a crown of thorns. No throne, now just a cross. No coronation, a crucifixion. And Peter's little life is falling apart. His dreams of being a kingdom leader are vaporizing. Jesus is being arrested. So what does he do? He's going to take things into his own hands. He's a man of action. Right? Things are falling apart. Now he's going he's to fix things. Take charge. In his impatience. Right? Peter is impulsive. He's reactive. See when people, everything's going, just everything's going south. Everything's falling apart. The foundation is crumbling. And you see now again what they rely on. Now they're going to take the charge of things in the flesh. And it's usually there where they make some really bad decisions. And people will do some really bad things. They will lie, they will con, they will cheat, they will steal, they will attack, they will become violent, they will even kill. You ever see that? And Peter here, it's, it's, it, this is insane. This is, you talk about a hot-headed decision. There were 600 temple guards who have come with the priests to arrest Jesus. They've got, they've got swords, they've got spears, they've got torches, and Peter is going to take them all on. He's a fisherman. He's not special forces, Roman, <laughs> Roman soldier. He's a fisherman. And he takes his sword, and he swings for the head, and he just gets an ear. He wasn't very good. Better with a fishing pole or a fishing net. The, the word here 
talking about his, his swing, is a peo, and it's a word that means to strike with the intent to kill. It's used, it's used for scorpion and, it, and its bite to inject the poison into the other creature and, and kill it. He, he is striking to kill. So he swung. This, this isn't him just going. This is Peter. Yeah, I mean, some of you who, you know, martial arts, some of you boxers, you know, when you swing for the fences, you know, you want to knock this person's head off, you want to knock him out. I mean, you want to kick, you want to kick him to the moon. Right? This, this is, I'm Peter, Peter, this is like, ah, you know, this, this, this is gladiator. This is Braveheart. What does Jesus say, right? By the way, I believe if Jesus doesn't heal Malchus's ear, Peter's dead. I think Jesus, I mean, he put his hand on that ear and that ear grew back or however he did it. He did it so quick. I don't think people quite fully grasp what was happening. And then he says, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you not think that I can now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? That's about 48,000, 50,000 angels. How then could the scripture be fulfilled that this must happen? See, Jesus, I have to go to the cross and die to fulfill my mission, to fulfill my purpose, and to fulfill scripture. Peter, again, bad theology. Foolish pride, prayerlessness. Everything going south, everything going wrong, what does he try to do? He tries to manipulate circumstances. Number five, distance. You ever experienced that, Jesus, Jesus feels so distant when there was a time where he felt so close? Right? He, just, he just feels so far away when there was a time where, man, I, I could feel him right next to me. Mark 15, 44, but Peter followed him at a distance. The, uh, the King James says he followed him from afar. Right into the courtyard of the high priest and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Peter walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Peter walked with Jesus in sweet communion, step by step every day. They ate together, they fished together, they walked together, they talked together. He sat at Jesus' feet, hearing Jesus' still small voice, teaching him the word of God. They were together, they were close. Now he's at a distance following Jesus from afar. See people that once walked with Jesus and had a burning heart for him. They loved his word. Couldn't get enough of it. They loved the fellowship. They loved to worship. They could feel his presence. They could feel his warm embrace on their souls. They were always so close, always so near. They could, they could hear his still small voice awakening them in the morning. And they'd awaken with a song in their heart for him. And then suddenly, right? Suddenly they're at a distance. Suddenly they've lost the joy of the journey. The excitement of walking with Jesus. Someone doesn't just suddenly start to walk with Jesus from afar. Again, this doesn't just happen. You don't go from being in, in just sweet communion in his presence and then suddenly you're walking really far away. From, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen like that. 
right? It, 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 it erodes. It happens over the course of time. Suddenly, you know what, you, you know, just a little distance, not, not so into the word. Serving God becomes a drag instead of the, the, the passion. Worship, well, geez, you know, I know I have to go to church today or I have to go to church on Wednesday, whatever. It's, it's suddenly a drag. If somebody asks you to do something, God is asking you to do something, right? It kind of irritates you. It, it, it bothers you. Right? Peter, again, bad theology. Pride. Prayerlessness. Taking things into his own hands, acting out in the flesh. Now he's far away. Last one. Worldly comforts. Verse 54, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. He's cold. His body is cold. His soul is cold. His spirit is cold. He's dealing with stuff. Right? He's dealing with stuff. His foolish pride, his lack of prayer, he just, just his violent action, and now he's feeling separated from the Lord, and he's cold. And notice who he's hanging out with. He's hanging out with the servants of Caiaphas, who pretty much led the crucifixion of Jesus. You talk about being in bad company, and he's warming himself over the fire. Again, he's cold. He's pursuing comfort. I need comfort. I need to be comfortable. And he's looking to find something that's going to comfort him, that's going to warm him up. Let me just say this to you. At this moment in Peter's life, he doesn't need comfort. <laughs> he doesn't. In fact, what he needs is to be uncomfortable. He doesn't need comfort. He needs to be uncomfortable. He needs discomfort. He needs to examine himself and take a look at what he just did in this violent act. He needs to look at his life and look and see that he's basically prayerless. He needs to look at his life and see that he's prideful, filled with foolish pride. He needs to take a step back and look at his theology and see that his theology is a mess. But instead, he wants comfort. Give me some comfort food. I need comfort. Let me bury myself in a Netflix series because I need comfort. Give me a drink. Or give me the whole bottle. I, I, need, I need comfort. When he doesn't need comfort. There's a time that we need to be uncomfortable. There's a time when we need discomfort. When we're not walking right with God. When we're not walking near to God. When our life is prayerless. When our theology is terrible, when our egos are out of control, we don't need comfort. We, we need discomfort. See, confession can be incredibly uncomfortable. Especially when it's the spirit that we are allowing to convict us. Repentance can be incredibly uncomfortable. When we begin to look at our sins and not just confess them, but say, I am going to forsake them and leave them behind. It can be incredibly, incredibly uncomfortable. 
You know, you look at, at, again, modern people. With all their, we are the most comfortable generation. The church is in the most comfortable time that it's ever been. We've got more things, more gadgets, right, to make ourselves comfortable. More food, right, to make ourselves comfortable. Is it really bringing fulfillment into your life? Is it really bringing meaning into your life? All the comforts, all the comforts. I, I personally find that, that having some good discomfort in my life ends up bringing more meaning and fulfillment than, than just filling my life with comfort. There's, there's, there's a time to be uncomfortable. There's a time for fasting. There's a time for confession. There's a time for deep diagnosis and looking at yourself and saying, hey, let's look at the things that are wrong in my life. Peter, what? he wants to comfort himself around the fire. He's pursuing comfort. And again, he doesn't need to be comfortable. He's in a very dangerous place. And it needs to be a time of soul searching. Because he's heading, right? What happens very quickly after this, right, kaboom, the crash. And just as Jesus said three times, right, look at this, verse 68, but he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. Then he says that he denied it again. And then look at verse 71. I do not know this man of whom you speak. Remember Caesarea Philippi? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, I do not know the man. And the rooster crows. I just say, we need to stop and dwell on Peter's failures. We need to stop and we need to dwell on it. We need to look at it. They're warnings. I want to I wanna read something here. I want to I play something here because whenever I've meditated on these passages about Peter's denial, it reminds me of a song. I can get it. So far away Doesn't anybody stay in one place anymore It would be so fine to see your face at my door Doesn't help to know You're just time away Long ago
So here's the, should I just end it there? The, just leave it there? Raquel, I love you and Dante and your knowledge of the word of God. I'm amazed at how when I'm teaching here and I will say something about, you know, the scripture and you guys will respond knowing. So you're very well versed in the scriptures and you have beautiful hearts. How's Dante? Tell him I said, uh, I'm praying for him and I love him. He doesn't leave Peter there. He doesn't leave him there. Have you ever been there? Because I have. I've never denied him. <laughs> I've never really doubted him. I'll tell you that 40 years I've really never doubted him. But I, but I failed him. I failed. Most of the time dealing with people. That's where my failures have been. And um, Peter's about as low as you can get. He's about as far away from Jesus as, uh, as a believer can be. And uh, once before when Peter was underwater drowning, <laughs> literally... Yeshua reached down and grabbed onto Peter's hand and lifted him up. So there, there, there are six steps down and there are three steps up. I just want to show you one thing and I'm going to show you this quickly, but the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, 6 through 7, the women who went to the tomb, when the angel appeared to them, it's just a, a little word that sometimes I think we miss. The angel said, he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He's risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples. And notice, and Peter. Because Peter, Peter now is, is as, again, is as low as a human being can get. And they would go and say, well, well Jesus said that he's going before you into Galilee and there you will see him. Uh, and he mentioned your name, Peter. He, he, he said to tell all the other disciples, but he mentioned your name. That apparently he wants to meet with you up in Galilee. He wants to have breakfast with you, right? Breakfast with Jesus. So he has breakfast with him. Three denials. Three words of reconciliation and forgiveness. Watch this. And a lot of times, again, we miss this because we're not reading it in the uh, Aramaic or the Greek. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love? He uses the word agape more than these. Agape, that, that sacrificial love of God, that, that, uh, that love of God. It's not sentimental, right? It's, it's, it's an action-oriented love. It's proactive do you love me with the love of God, Peter? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I love you with human love, brotherly love. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Notice he's, he's drawing him into the greatest commandment, to love God, but then go feed my lambs. Go love people. And then he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love? Do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love phileo, you. And then he said, go and tend my sheep. Go and care for people. Care for your brothers and sisters. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love? And notice what Jesus did. He lowered the bar. Simon, do you phileo me? 
And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time. By the way, Peter is grieved not because he just said to him a third time. Peter is grieved because Jesus lowered the bar and he wasn't saying, hey, Peter, love me with agape love. He's saying, you just love me with phileo love. And he said to him, yes, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know these things. You know that I phileo you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Let me say this to you. I don't know where you are with God. I know some things about people here in the church. I pray for you. I try to bring the word of God to you as God instructs me to do. But I don't know exactly where you guys are. And again, people, we're notorious for uh, facades and fig leaves. And we can look so holy in church, right? We come into church and we look so holy. When there could be things going on in our lives that are tearing our hearts apart, tearing our marriages apart, tearing us apart. Times the devil just playing havoc with us. I don't know where exactly you are, but I'll say this to you. Wherever you are, whatever love you have in your heart, and it, can, it could be phileo love, it could be agape love, that's what Jesus will take from you this morning. And he took what Peter had. Peter, I understand you don't have agape love right now, but I'll take your phileo love. I'll take the, the love that you have for me, and Jesus took. You know, later on, Peter got filled with agape love. But he came to that place. So, just take a look at yourself this morning. Look at your theology. Is it based upon the Bible or hearsay? Are you studying the entire word of God or just pick and choosing what you like? Check your ego. Check your pride. Check your prayer life. Are you close to the Lord or are you distant from him? Are you following him in loving, close intimacy or is he afar off? And are the things that you need to deal with in your life with him or, again, are you just comforting yourself, ignoring them? Maybe you need to get uncomfortable with God this day and this week. And if you crashed... He's there, and he wants to lift you up, and he wants to restore you. Take this time as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Do a little examining now. Some of you may need to do a lot more, but just take a look into your heart and into your walk with him. Amen? Let's uh, take of our cup and take of the bread. Lord Jesus, you came to save sinners, and Lord God, I will say this from my heart today, of whom I am the chief. Lord God, I know my need for your grace, your forgiveness, for your blood, for your mercy. Every day, Lord, every day. 
So, Father God, as we come to the Lord's table, I pray this day, Lord God, let us be renewed in the precious sacrifice of the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Let us receive, Lord God, into us your very life. And let it, Lord God, permeate every part of us, body, soul, and spirit. So Jesus, on that night, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. He said to them, take this, all of you, and eat this, for this is my body, which was given for you. He gave his body for us on that cross. Let us all partake. And then Jesus, he took the cup, he gave it to his disciples and said, take this, all of you, and drink this, for this is my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. Do this in remembrance of me, for the Lord's blood is his life, and as we drink of this cup, let us take his life into us. Let us all partake. The altars are open. You are free to sit, to stand, to kneel, to do whatever you like. Let God work in your life right now. Many things have been said here today. The Holy Spirit has talked to you and speaking to you. Let the Lord work in your life right now before you leave. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, the altars are open if you'd like to come up. Spend some time alone or praying with others. And if you'd like healing, we've been uh, spending a little time over here. Pastor Sam will come over if you'd like um, and just have a specific prayer about healing. The Lord is amazing.
your holy name lord we do rely on you we know you hold all things together as pastor share the very breath in our lungs lord what a privilege to know you lord what a privilege to come to know you lord god and father we just ask you would just continue to stir our hearts and our minds lord as your word said that you would give us words to share in those times father and as we study your word lord god and we rely on you lord god we just trust that you will bring those words to us that others need to hear they may come to know you, surrendering their hearts, Lord, repenting of the sin in their lives, Lord, and coming into your presence, receiving your peace and your restoration to God Almighty. We thank you for this provision. Jesus, we thank you for making a way. And God, we ask your blessing upon this body here today, Lord, and we ask that you would continue to allow us to be your hands and feet going forth, touching those who need to be touched, Lord, and hearing the truth of Jesus beyond these walls. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you.